and just say it's fantastic to see you tonight. Could we get the house lights up? Maybe, uh, Tracy, you know that flick switch thing that turns... Yeah, you're here, you're there, aren't you? Because I, I can just see blackness. I don't really mind blackness too much, but um, all I can see is blackness. It'd be nice to see some beautiful faces. Are there any beautiful faces out there? There's, there's, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, there's loads full of beautiful faces. Um, great to see you all this evening and I'm hoping you've all had a good week. I'm sure it's been variable. I'm sure some people have had a great week. Sure, some people have had a bad week. Whatever your week, do you know what? God's got something to say to you tonight. I believe he's got a powerful message for you that's going to speak into your life for exactly where you're at at the moment. This is uh, uh, just a a short message I want to give you tonight, but it's a snippet of really, really important advice, kind of important wisdom that could literally transform your life, basically, because it will give you improved confidence, it will help you in situations. Anyone in here struggle in new situations? You walk into a room, there's a group of people you don't know, maybe it's your college. Maybe it's your first day in a new job. You've just got the job. You don't know anyone. You're about to walk Or maybe it's college for the first time. Maybe it's your first day at high school. Maybe it's your first day, uh, a first date even. Maybe you're going on a date and you don't. Is this cutting out or is it me? It is cutting out a little bit, isn't it? If that carries on, I'll just jump down and speak. But maybe whatever that situation is, is there any chance of getting them lights on? Are they on? Could we get these down a little bit? Is that okay? That would be wonderful. So I can kind of see people. Um, if that's you, if you've been in that situation, you know what I'm on about. Ever kind of froze just a little bit? Not me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just, just, can we get somewhere in the middle? Just, just kind of, you know, comfortably in the middle. That would be brilliant. Can you see me? Yeah, they need to go down a bit more. No, no, no I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, you know what I'm on about, don't you? That first situation. You, you're about to walk in and you don't know what to expect. Anyone get nervous in that situation? Nervous in that situation. I stand up and preach. I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've got up and preached over the years. I've preached to huge crowds, over, the, uh, people, over a thousand people. I've spoken to small crowds. And, and I, I can speak. I can get up and I can waffle for England. It's not an issue for me. I can do that. But I still get nervous before I'm about to get up. There's still that kind of inherent fear that I'm going to mess up, that it's not going to be good, that there's something going to be wrong about it. If I'm about to go into a new situation, a, a new environment, there's always those nerves of how's it going to go? What are these people going to be like? Every single one of you knows what I'm on about because that is normal and, and every one of us faces that. We all experience that. It's a normal thing. It's a normal trait. And one of the risks that we all face is we all do the same thing or most of us anyway, some of you in that situation will go into impress mode. I'm going to impress everyone. I'm going to kind of show off what I know and who I am and who I'm about. Maybe, now you're kind of, some of you are sat there and you're thinking, yeah, but I just go quiet and I don't say anything. That's impress mode. Because what you're doing is you're, you're thinking to yourself, I just won't tell them anything about me. And then if I'm quiet, very difficult for them to judge me and know who I am and what I'm about. So we all have different ways of dealing with it. I want to help you tonight with a great way of dealing with it that really 
really works. Very, very simple. But I want to start off with a story, true story in Boston, in a place called America, in 1992. Anyone from Witness in this place tonight? Any Witness people in? Yeah, yeah, we're from Witness. Kind of recently, only in the last year, but yeah, we live in Witness now. And um, okay, so you're from Witness. What's the gauge of witness? What's the kind of the theme around here? What do people think of witness? Do they think it's a, you know, a really prosperous, wonderful place, a great place to live where you can't buy homes because the house prices are so high? Or is it a place where there's, you maybe think it's a poor place? Maybe you think it's a, a place where there's some poverty. Maybe you think there's some social issues in witness. Let me compare it to a place called Boston in America. You've all heard of Boston. In 1992, it was one of the worst years in the history of Boston. They had 73, count them, 73 murders in that one year. This was in 1992. You think gang crime and gang murders and stabbings is a, is a recent thing. In 1992, there were 73 murders in Boston. And pretty much all of them were young people murdering young people. Gangs. And the parents were, got to the point, it got to the stage, there was a real turning point in it. They were losing the children and the turning point was a funeral. It was a funeral for one of the young people who'd been killed. And in the middle of the funeral, 14 gang members walked into a funeral and stabbed a young boy nine times. Stabbed him to death. It's a true story. You can check it out. It's quite a famous story because of what happened from it. It, What happened from it, if you're going to check it out, there's a guy called Reverend Jeffrey Brown. He made the story famous. He made the story famous because it was inspirational for him to do something about it. He'd just become a minister. He'd just become a, a reverend, a pastor, whatever you want to call him, whatever your title is for someone who's leading a church but he was young he was only in his early 20s and he's in this this city called Boston a famous city in America and he says we've got to do something about this his congregation was saying to him we've got to do something about this this is a turning point this situation is so bad now we're losing our children somebody has got to do something about it and this guy was inspired to do just that he was inspired that something had to happen so he got all the local church ministers together together he called them all for a meeting some of them came some of them didn't bother coming but quite a few did and he got them all together and he said listen we all know what the situation is let's do something about it they all said yeah we'll do something about it we'll get involved we'll we'll help we'll do something so they all decided they were going to do something and they didn't really know what they were going to do eventually they decided that they were going to go out on the streets and try and speak to these young people and see if they could do something about it when crunch came to the, when it all came to the crunch, when it came to the day of going out, do you know how many turned up to go out on the streets? Two. Just him and one other guy. They went out on the streets and they started talking to people. And it was really unsuccessful. They didn't get anywhere. It was a failure. So they went back to the drawing board and they tried to get more, more ministers involved and they tried to speak to them. And he said this, he said, he said if we're going to build community... Anyone know that church is all about building community? Yeah? 
Church is all about building community. It's not about buildings. It's not about lights. It's not about music or anything like that. It's about what I'm looking at now, people. Church is about people. Without people, it's just a building. And the word doesn't mean a building. I know most of us have in our idea, in our minds, when you think of church, you go on Google Maps and you look at church, it'll show you a building. But church isn't a building. When Jesus talked about church, he was talking about a community of people. He was talking about a group of people, an assembly of people that were called together for a purpose. And he had this passion. And he said, if we're going to build community, if we're going to do that, then we've got to do it with everyone. Everyone. And that means we've got to do it with these gang members. We've got to take these people who were going out and stabbing others. We've got to take criminals. We've got to take anyone. And we've got to build community with them. He was determined. Sounded great. Some of you are saying amen to it. Some of you are nodding and thinking, wow, that's fantastic. That's brilliant. It was a failure. It was an absolute failure. He went out and he tried and he got nowhere. He kept going out and trying and he got nowhere. Nowhere. Nowhere at all. Until eventually he went out and there was a a young lad called Tyler. And this lad called Tyler, he he persisted with it. This was the thing about the, the Jeffrey, his name was. He persisted with it. He was determined to keep on going out, to connect with these people, and to, to, to find a way of making it work. And this young lad called Tyler, every time he went out, this young lad started to, or he, he met this young lad eventually, and, and he was in a gang, and he kept going out, and eventually this young lad started goading him. He had this jacket on this reverend, and the jacket looked like it was silk, whether it actually did or not, he reckons it didn't, he reckons it, was, it didn't look silk at all, but this young lad started kind of goading him and saying, what are you coming here for in your silk jacket, who do you think you are in your silk jacket, and that's all he kept saying to him, every time he went out, he'd go out on these streets, and he was getting frustrated, ever been in a situation where you, you, you feel like you can break through, you feel like you can get somewhere and there's that one person, there's that one person that's just in the way, they just want to kind of goad you, they just want to have a go at you, they're just the kind of problem, what is this, why have we got bumped in, this is, what is, this isn't ours is it, please tell me this isn't ours, thank you, okay, anyway, but this young lad, he kept on goading him and having a go at him and that's all he kept doing. And, and the, the Reverend Jerry, he's, get, he's getting frustrated, he's getting annoyed, but he's, he's, he's a true Christian. So he, he kept being nice to him. He kept skitting his jacket and insulting his jacket and taking the mick out of his jacket. And every week the, the Reverend would go out and he'd just be like, oh yeah, yeah, it's not, you know, and, and he just wouldn't say anything about it. Just try and ignore him. Turn the other cheek, he would do. Until eventually, there was a turning point. Eventually, the reverend got really, really annoyed with this guy, Tyler. The name's annoying, isn't it? I hope there's no one, no one called Tyler in here, is there? <laughs> no one with a son or daughter called Tyler. <laughs> he got really annoyed with him, really angry with him. And he turned around and the end, he just goes, what do you keep having a go at my jacket for? Jacket's not even silk. He he went back at him. He gave him something back. It was the turning point. Tyler changed. Let's do it like that. (laughs) He changed. He transformed. He said, that's it, Tyler said to him. He said, that's it. He said, you're being real with me now. 
So for the first time, you're being real. You're not being false. You're not trying to pretend to be someone you're not. You're actually being real with me. He started to get a relationship with this group of lads. He broke through. It's a common situation. You've got, you're in a situation and the, the, the person, the thing that you think is your problem, the thing you think is your problem is actually the answer to your situation. It's actually the thing that you've got to connect with. Recently, a good friend of mine, he was talking about a situation in his church and he was saying that he's got these, these, these can I say older people? Sorry, not to offend any older people in here. But he was saying he's, he's got these older people in his church, and he said, he said, oh, he said they're just kind of, they, they, they're not with what we want them to do. We've got to make some changes. We've got to kind of, you know, it's got to be, be relevant to the young people. And, 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 and he said, he was saying to me, I just think we've just got to kind of, I've given up on him. You know, I mean, I've, I've given up on these older people because they're just a thorn in my side. They're just a pain in the backside. And so I've, I've given up on them and I'm just going to kind of get on with, I know that we've got to do this and I know that we've got to push through. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to misrepresent him. He wasn't being nasty. He wasn't being nasty. This was a frustration. He was frustrated because he knew what he needed to do. He knew that there needed to be things for the younger people because every church needs every generation in. But it seemed like the older people didn't want to have the stuff in the church or the things in the church that would bring the younger people in. And this was a great frustration to him. And he got to the point where he felt like just got to ignore them. And I said, I said, Chris, I said, that's your answer. That's your answer. I said, you need, to, you need to win these people around. Because, and something clicked, it was in the conversation. He'd, he was ignoring them. He'd written them off. He'd let go of them. And I said, Chris, that's your problem. That's why they're getting at you. That's why they're an issue. That's why they're a problem. Because you've written them off. You need to bring these people in. You need to love on these people. You need to build all of this together. It's dead easy for me to say because I'm listening to him. It's dead easy for you to spot someone else's mistakes, isn't it? It's a lot harder when it's your own mistakes. Anyone know what I'm on about? So much more difficult when it's your own mistakes. But anyway, this reverend, it, it spotted that, suddenly realized that Tyler was the answer. He was the way in to this situation. So he started, they started getting on. They actually started getting on because for the first time they were being real. When Tyler annoyed him, he'd have a go at him and he'd tell him, he'd be honest with him. Anyway, eventually, the, the thing about it was, they were, they, they were, he was making great relationship with him. But all the time he was making this fantastic relationship with him, guess what was still happening? The murders. The murders were still happening. Children were still being killed and stabbed. And he had to do something about it. In the end, he came up with an idea. Have you heard of Thanksgiving in America? It's the last Thursday in November. And he decided that he was going to have, he, he got the gangs together. He got the pastors together. He got everyone he could together. And he had a proposal. What he said to them was this. He said, what about us having a season of peace? It's the last Thursday in November from Thanksgiving 
to new year. We'll have a season of peace. We'll have a, a, a watershed. We'll have a, a, an amnesty where no one's going to stab each other. No one's going to shoot each other. We're just going to have a season. Everyone was against it. They all, they all kind of complained about it, moaned about it and stuff like that until eventually he said, I realized I'd broken through. He said, I realized I was on the verge of agreeing this when one of them turned around and said something to me that challenged me to the core. One of the gang members said this to him. He said, so let me try and understand this then, Pastor, Reverend. What you're saying is, do we stop shooting each other on the Thursday or do we stop shooting each other on the Friday? And then when do we start killing each other again? Is that on the January the 1st or is it on the 31st of December? Can you imagine can you imagine, as a Christian, as a pastor, what do you say? What do you say? He said this, he said, he said, we stop on the Thursday, begins on the Thursday, and it starts again on the January, on the 1st of January. Seems like a, a wrong thing to say, doesn't it? A pastor saying, we start killing each other again, on the 1st of, of January. But he believed it was the right thing to do. He believed if he could give them a season of peace, the season of peace, that they would, they would get it, they would understand it, that it would do something in them, that it would give them an experience of peace, that these young lads, instead of walking the streets, all giving it this, walking along like this, ready and, and looking hard and giving it all the bravado. Instead, they'd be able to walk around at peace. He had this vision that by them walking around at peace, by them being relaxed, they'd grow to love it so much that they wouldn't want to start killing each other again on the 1st of January. And he said it. And it's famous to this day because knife crime, Gun crime, gang crime as a whole, plummeted in Boston after that, after that season of peace. It transformed things. It worked. And here's the message, only a short message tonight. I want to keep you for too long. But the message is this, that the thing that transformed it is this. Number one, he persisted. He was determined. Even though he failed at the beginning, he kept going out. He kept going out. He kept at it. He kept at it. He didn't give up. When they were, when they were not engaging with him, he kept at it. When they were insulting him, he kept at it. When the other pastors wouldn't get involved, he kept at it. When he was getting nowhere and they were still killing each other, he kept at it. When he started making a relationship with them, but it wasn't being effective, he kept at it. He kept at it. He kept on going. He didn't give up. But the key, key thing that he did as well, because that's great, but you need something else. He listened. He listened. Every time when he went out into, into those gangs and he spent time with them in an evening, on their patch, in their world, in their environment, he was listening to them. He was listening to them. He was listening to what they had to say. Listen to this. Proverbs 18, 13 says this. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. 
The Bible says this, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Proverbs 18, two verses later, verse 15 goes on to say this. It says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Their ears are open for knowledge. I'm going to give you four simple things that listening, learning to listen will do to transform your relationship with others, your confidence in situations, your effectiveness in situations. First one is this, when you listen, when you listen to others, do you know what they do? They trust you. They trust you. You see, that when we get into new situations, the risk is that we want to impress. So what we do is we, we're all about how we look. We're all about making it about how we look. We're all about wanting to impress. We're all about wanting to look good. We're all about wanting them to see us and see who we are and what we're about. We see the other person doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about who you are really and how powerful you are and how wonderful you are. He's more concerned about whether he can trust you or not. And the more you spend time trying to impress and trying to show off and trying to let them know what you know, the less they trust you. But when you listen, when you listen, something amazing happens, something miraculous happens. When you listen really intently to what people are saying and you listen for the passion in the voices when they're talking, for the thing that ignites them, you learn about them. You learn about them. They're suddenly able to, to reveal something about themselves to you. They're suddenly able to open up and you're suddenly in a position where you can really, truly speak into their situation because you know, because you've taken the time to listen. Second thing is this. You acquire information valuable information about who they are and where they're at and what their genuine needs are. You see, if you don't take the time to listen, you're just speaking from your knowledge, from what you think the situation is about, from what you think it's all about. But when you stop and you listen, you discover the black swan. Anyone heard of a black swan? Anyone heard of a black swan? Anyone? One or two? Just one or two? Did you, know, did you know there was such a thing as a black swan? Anyone seen a black swan? I've seen a black swan, yeah. They've got them in, in a place called Dawlish down south. They're not actually native to the UK. They're actually from New Zealand, if, if what I'm told is, is true and correct. Black swans, up until about 100 years ago, 150 years ago, black swans didn't exist. It's not quite true. They didn't exist in people's minds. Black swans were something that no one had ever heard about. So if you said to someone about a black swan, people would have thought you were slightly mad because as far as anyone was concerned, swans were white and had always been white. But suddenly, one day, someone in New Zealand discovered that there were black swans and brought them back to the UK. It was a game changer. Up until that point in all history, swans were white and that was it. Suddenly, the whole world had changed. There was such a thing as a black swan but it didn't exist until people had seen it until people had knew and the thing is in your situation and in the people you're talking with and the people you're meeting and the people you're spending time with the thing that's going on in their world it doesn't exist until you hear it 
until you're listening to it, until you know about it. Until you take the time to listen and to know about it, it's just a black swan. You've never heard of it and it doesn't exist. But once you know, once you listen, you know and you understand and you're in a position to do something about it. It'll help your work situations. It'll help your relationship situations. Any situation, family, friends, you name it, it will change it. And I'll tell you another little bit of advice. It wasn't on my list. Don't do this. Don't fall into the trap of believing what they're telling you. <laughs> Sounds terrible, that, doesn't it? What I mean is this. Let me explain what I mean, right? More often than not, people will be telling you about an issue that they're having. They'll be complaining about something. You've got to listen beyond that. You've got to listen well deeper than that because often the thing that they're telling you is not the real thing. You've got to be listening to what the emotion is. What's the passion? What is it they're trying to tell you? They're complaining about the job. They're complaining that the boss is this or the boss is the other or the boss is that. They're not talking about that. They're talking about something else. It's another deep issue that's the problem, not the thing they're talking about. Sometimes it's the thing they're talking about, but you've got to be prepared to listen. You've got to be prepared to listen. Third thing is this. You get to know the person as a person. You see, up until this point, right, you're just talking to someone. You're just trying to impress them. You're just trying to, maybe, maybe if it was, imagine it's a dating situation. Imagine you see a girl that you think she's wonderful. I want to go out with her. Or you see a boy and you think, wow, he's great. I want to go out with him. At that point, they're just a person that you've seen. They're just a person. You don't really know them that well. But when you take the time to listen, when you take the time to listen to what they've got to say, to listen what's going on in their life, to intently hear what they're saying, suddenly they become a person. Suddenly they become three-dimensional. They're not suddenly just a person that looks attractive. They're not suddenly just a person that can give you a job. They're not suddenly just a person that you can have a friendship with because you're lonely. Suddenly, they're actually a real person that you know that you can have relationship with. It's a game changer. And the final thing, you find answers. Is the genius of it. You see, all of this, have you, have you spotted it? If you do this properly, all of this, you're not doing for yourself. You're doing it for the other person. See, all of this is about being for the other person. It might sound like I'm saying this because it's going to benefit you. Well, here's the beauty of it, right? If you do it properly, if you do it with the right heart, with the right motive, it will benefit you. But it will only benefit you when you're not doing it to benefit you. It'll only benefit you when you're doing it to bless someone else, when you're doing it to help someone else, when you're doing it because you've got a genuine heart, a genuine interest in the other person, and you want to help them, you want to kind of, I don't know, have a relationship with them, who knows what it is. Here's the thing. When people have heard, when people have been heard, they want to listen to you. They want to know about you, and they want to have a relationship with you. That sound like good advice? Yeah. Come on, let's stand for a moment. Let's stand. Some of you in here tonight, you're struggling with loneliness.
You're struggling because you, you feel like people aren't taking you on and they're not kind of, you, you're just not getting the thing you need in the situation. And God's saying this, it's because you're doing it for you. You're trying to change your situation. You're trying to go in and make friends and get relationships for you. You're not doing it for the other people. He wants to release you tonight. He wants to tell you this, that you need to start thinking about others. Forget about yourself. Forget about your situation. Forget about your, lonely, your loneliness. And follow the golden rule. Jesus said this, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Would you want to be friends with someone that was only in it for themselves? No, I wouldn't either. Be about other people. Be about them. Come to give, not to receive. It's the Sermon on the Mount. One of the most profound sermons in all of history. Up until that point when Jesus said those words, always been about themselves. They've always been about blessing themselves. That point was a game changer. It was transformational. Be about other people. I want to pray. We just bow our heads for a moment. Let's close our eyes. Your God's a good Father. He loves you. He's passionate. Passionate that you would know His love for you tonight. For you. See, think about this. You've spent your life for you. But all that time, God's been all about you. God's been seeking you. He's been watching you. He's been listening to you. Longing to know you and who you are. And now, He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know Him. Who He is. Your Father. Your Creator. You want things, but He already knows what they are. You think by trying to get things from God that you'll get them. But the irony is when you stop trying to get things from Him and you just get to know Him, to listen to Him, to have relationship with Him, He'll give you everything you've ever needed. He'll give you the things that you don't even know that you know that you need because He loves you. Because he knows you better than you know him. See, he's been listening to you. He knows all about you. He's not just been listening to your words and the prayers you've been praying. But he's been listening to the why, to the reason. And he knows the answer. He knows what you need even before you come and ask him. And the more you get to know him, guess what? You'll actually get to know yourself even better. And then from that situation, from that point, you'll be able to pray effectively. 
You'll be able to ask Him for the things that you really, really need rather than the things that you think you need. God loves you tonight. He wants to bless you. He wants to transform your life. Change it for the best. Not just for you, but for those around you. So he's got a plan for your life that's beyond you. It's not just about you. It's about others. People you've not even met yet. It's a new season. It's a new chapter. God wants you to start it off right. Amen.